these uh, uh, movies where they put they, they put this to uh, to life for us. Every single one of them got something wrong. <laughs> so if you're looking at this and say, "Yeah, but they didn't do this and this didn't happen that way," I know, I know. It uh, that's that's good that you remember. But you know the, how it actually happened. Well, we'll talk some more about that in a little bit. But of all the ones that I saw, this was the uh, best for a few reasons. So that's why we pulled it out. But it can tie you into some of the struggles that may have gone on that uh, you may not always be aware of. And we're going to talk about this just in a little bit. Last week, we were on some, some things. We gave you the five stages of speech. And actually, it said three were progressive and two were pitfalls. When we first get born again, we begin to speak those things that we know. Whatever it is I know, I speak it. Just like a little baby, a little, little child, when they first learn to talk, they just repeat whatever it is that they hear. They don't know if it's good, they don't know if it's bad, they just say it. We just say what we know. We then move up to the place where we say what we understand. We speak what we understand. We wait until we get some understanding on it. Do I really know what that means? And we, we, we ponder it, we, we think on it, we meditate on it, we get an understanding of it, we get a revelation on it. And then we speak from that. Well, we don't always know whether that's beneficial for the people that we're speaking it to, but we will speak because we have an understanding of it. And sometimes we think we have to say everything that we understand to everybody. And that's not the case. Jesus does not say everything he understands to everybody. One of the pitfalls was the next, next one we looked at. People begin to say, whatever I feel. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you should say it. Well, I don't feel saved. Well, then why, why are you saying the things that you're saying? Well, I don't feel saved. We don't care what you feel like. What's the Word of God say? Well, I don't feel healed. I felt healed yesterday, but I don't feel healed today. We speak out of those feelings. Well, I don't feel like I love my neighbor. Well, I don't feel like I like them very much. doesn't matter what you feel. What's the Word of God say? The love of God is important in your heart. We then move on to the other pitfall. Whatever I reason. Whatever I can put together. How many times have we seen the Word of God where they said they reasoned in their hearts? They answered because they were reasoning. And, you know, we, we can, there are some things we can just figure out, but when you figure out something and it goes against faith, it goes against the Word, it goes against what God said, then you've got a trouble. You've got to figure out which one you're going to say something about. And then the last stage was whatever I hear. And the progressive parts of this is whatever I know, whatever I understand, and whatever I hear. We're going to talk about these three progressive areas here today and see some of their relationship uh, between each other. Before that, we'd also looked at how in the Word of God that if we don't want to have more of the same, we've got to first off change our expectation. Not, a, not other people's expectation. Whose expectation, expectation you have to change? You have to change yours. Who's, the next, next one was thoughts. Whose thoughts do you have to change? Your thinking. You've got to change your thinking. You've got to change your thoughts. Once we get out of that, the last one was conversations. Whose conversations do you have to change? You have to change your conversations. You can't have conversations with friends, co-workers, neighbors, so forth, that are against the things that you are expecting, the things that you are believing for. You cannot do it. We looked at Abraham on that. We saw that Abraham had many good conversations with God, but they didn't help him until he got all of his conversations right. When he got all of his conversations right, baby came. And we looked in the Word of God how that was to be. If you missed any of those, you can go back into the Internet. Everything is up there for you. And I forgot to mention this to the guys afterwards, but if we can, I'd like to pull up our website at the end. If we can put that up on the screen. I'm going to show you some things up on, on there. 
there are three ways we hear from God. This didn't make your outline. It was in there last week. Three, three ways we hear from God. The first one is in His Word. The second one is by His Spirit. And third is His servants. Three ways we hear from God. His Word, His Spirit, and His servants. He will speak to us in these, in these ways. He will speak to us supernaturally. He will speak to us in His Word. And He will speak to us by His servants. These are things we can, we can know from the Word of God. He will speak to all believers. There are some believers who have had angels show up. But not all. He does not promise you in the Word of God that angels will show up and tell you stuff. But He does promise you He'll speak to you in His Word. He'll speak to you in the Spirit. And He'll speak to you through His servants. That's a promise you have, every single one of us. If you'll turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 1, looking at this first one, speaking out of whatever I know or the knowledge that I have. Now I will write about, now I will write about meat that is sacrificed to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. How many of y'all know you have knowledge? We all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, puffs you up with pride, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs you up with pride. Knowledge, and I, actually I'm reading from the New Century Version. I think I put that in there. Uh, it, it, the New King James says, knowledge puffs up. New Century said, knowledge puffs you up with pride, but love builds up. There's a contrast there. When you are full of knowledge, you are puffed up. How many have ever heard of people who speak to you out of what they know, but they don't understand what they know? Most of the time they speak to you, they're not open to, to uh, correction. Most of the time they speak to you, they're very rude and very obnoxious. Because they're speaking out of knowledge, not out of understanding. When we speak out of knowledge, what this Bible, this Bible verse right here tells us is we cut off speaking from love. And we speak from pride. And we get into trouble. We've got to get out of that stage. You don't want to just be in the stage where you just say what you know. There are a lot of Christians who hear, well, if you just say what you want, you'll get it. Right? And so what do they do? They go out and they say, well, I want to have this. And I want this to be. But there's no understanding. They haven't heard from God for themselves. They just heard, well, so-and-so says that I ought to say this. That's just like the seven sons of Sceva. Speaking about what somebody else's revelation. Would it have worked for them? If they got into the Word of God, they got the Spirit of God, they had the authority, they, they, they uh, got born again. Sure, they could go out in the name of Jesus. But they didn't do that. In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. We don't want to spend the time to get to know this Jesus. We'll just speak in the name of whom Paul does. And that's not, a, not good. It says that knowledge will puff up. The word there means to inflate or to make proud. To inflate or to make proud. Knowledge comes in and inflates you. Puffs you up. And it makes you proud. It goes on in verse 2. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing. <laughs> now look at, look at his generalities here. If anyone. Who's anyone? And if anyone thinks. Now the, here's the qualifier. If anyone thinks that he knows anything. How many people do you know out there who think they know something? <laughs> We all know people who, know, who think they know something. Yeah, some, some people think they know everything. I understand there's those out there too. But we're just going to narrow it down. There are some people out there who think they know something. Right? So that's who he's, who he's talking about. How many people in this room would say, I think I know something? 
<laughs> we don't want to we don't say it now, no, we sure don't. That's right. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing. Yet as he ought to know. Yet as he ought to know. Because a person with understanding realizes there is more I don't know on the subject than that I do. A person with understanding realizes that on a topic I have knowledge of, there is more that I do not know than what I do. Because God's knowledge, God's understanding is far greater than ours. It's far greater than ours. I saw somebody put something up on Facebook this week and it got me thinking on some things. And uh, maybe some of you have, have thought along these lines as well. And if you've uh, listened to the news media, you would not know if you listen to the news. I don't listen to the news media, but I hear what they're talking about. Um, but, uh, but if you listened and you read the papers and all that, you would think that the biggest problem in this country was not terrorism. You wouldn't think that terrorism was a big problem. You wouldn't think that the economy was a big problem. You wouldn't think that 92 million people being out of work was a big problem. You wouldn't think that being 16, 17 trillion dollars of debt is a big problem. You wouldn't think the fact that our places overseas are not safe, that's not a big problem. You wouldn't think anything about our borders being unprotected or that even members of ISIS are said to be coming up through the borders. How many of you know, if you listen to the media, you wouldn't be thinking that's a problem? If you listen to the media, you would think the biggest problem in our country, if you listen to it just this week, you would think that the biggest problem facing us in our country is the violence that takes place in the NFL. Would you not? Would you not think that the biggest problem we face in this country is the violence in the NFL? How many think some of those other problems might trump that? Now, I want to show you how, how easy this is. I know that most of you do not. You've turned out the media. Right? But I want to tell you how much they still have infiltrated us. How many of you... Now, you're not going to answer now. I understand that. <laughs> but how many of you think that the NFL has a violence against women problem and that it's kind of major? How many of you think that the NFL has players that are out of control with their anger? Yeah, you would think that, wouldn't we? How many of you would think that the NFL has people that are so rich and snobby that they do whatever they want with their money and they've gone out of, out of their minds with crime? We would think that, right? Yeah, except that if you actually do a study on it, you would find out that's not true. That is not true at all. Now, I didn't comment at all all these weeks that are going on with Ray Rice. How many of you all know about Ray Rice? Pretty much everybody knows about Ray Rice, right? You know why I never commented about Ray Rice? It's simply this, because the Bible tells me that if I'm going to make a comment about anybody's situation, I must do something first. I must hear both sides. I do not have the ability to hear both sides. I don't have the ability to hear one. I don't have the authority to do anything about it. So therefore, I won't comment on it. Because the only thing I'm going to hear is, is slanted. That's it. The only thing... Now, I'm not saying... I've, I've heard... I have not seen the video. Because I don't watch these, these, these nuts out there. I know that any video they will put in the news has probably been edited and changed and altered to such a degree to make me want to, to hate someone. 
I'm not going to hate Ray Rice. I looked at that situation and my opinion of it right off the bat was, well, they settled the situation. That's just after it settled. She's happy. He's, he's happy. The authorities are happy. They're the people that were there to hear both sides. If she's happy, he's happy, and the authorities are satisfied that what's done is, is done, I'm satisfied. And I, I, I don't need to do anything more with it. But there are people out there who, who threw a fit, right? Because they know something. Isn't that right? That's why they're doing it, because they know something. So they're a fantastic example of that. Of course, uh, we not only had that, but then it was also followed up with uh, Adrian Peterson and his situation. And, uh, oh my. You know, has anybody here heard anyone in the media who talked with Adrian Peterson on the, on the topic? Has anyone talked to his son? Has anyone talked to his wife? Anyone talked to his parents? And why are we going out there jumping to conclusions and deciding what needs to be done? I heard this about the NFL. They got under such pressure from these people. Now, now listen to the solution. You tell me if this, this makes sense. Here's our, here's our solution to the problem. All right, we didn't have a domestic violence policy before, so now we're going to have one. So if a person is, is uh, a, a convicted or, con- I don't even know if it's accused or convicted, whatever it is, if they get involved and have a domestic problem, then uh, that person is suspended, I think, for six games. Is that the new, yeah. the new thing? Yeah. Six games. And if there's a second offense, they're suspended at least a year or possibly indefinitely. I forget which one it was, but it's one of those two things. So, now think about this. If you have a situation where the husband is beating on the wife, and the wife is the one who would report it, is the husband going to report it? No. The wife would be the one to report it, Right. So the wife is going to report her husband knowing that he will lose his job. Will that make the husband happy? If you make a person who is guilty of domestic violence unhappy with the person he's committing domestic violence against, what do you think that person would do? Is that hard to figure out? So what you're going to do here is you're going to discourage women from reporting domestic violence because they're afraid to do so. Now, think about this. Think about a a woman who marries a person of that and has had that income. Do they not get used to a certain lifestyle? Would that lifestyle be altered if he loses his paycheck? Do you think that wife... Do you think that wife wants to have her lifestyle altered? So we have created a situation designed to protect women that will actually endanger them more. And all you had to do was sit down and think about it. That's all you had to do. Sit down and think about it. And you would say, that's, that's not going to work. That's not going to change the situation. But everybody's happy now because we'll be punishing these evil people. Anyway, back to the, to the thought. We would think that NFL is the number one place where there is, this is our number one problem, and that in the NFL is where all the bad guys go. In the NFL is where all the bad guys go. I want you to know that several sources have verified these figures. I'm going to give them to you here right now. In the NFL, the uh, d- domestic violence rate in a sampling of, uh, of players 
And how many of all, I've heard one person say they think that, um, that it, it must be a, a black issue because everybody who's been picked out so far is African-American. And that, so wouldn't we think that? All right, here we go. In the sampling that was done, Blumstein and Benedict, that's the uh, company, the uh, auditing company, I guess it is, that uh, put this together, they found that out of 342 black players in their sample, 97 of them had or had a record, 28% of arrested for one of, the, of the, the crimes here. I didn't list the crimes for you. The crimes include assault, domestic violence, rape, kidnapping, homicide, DUI, drugs, and property offenses. Out of the sample of black players in the NFL, 28% of those players have a record. How many of you think that's high? You're afraid to answer. I know, y'all. <laughs> You're scared to, on this one. It, it is high. It is high. But if you go to the national average and you take a sampling of African-American men in the national sam- sample, your percentage is twice that. 69, 70%. If you take a sampling of the, of, uh, the white players in the NFL, 9% have an arrest. If you go into the general public, it's more than double that. So they went back and they took a sampling of all players, regardless of whether they are white or black, in the NFL, that are in the age category of 25 to 30. And they did a sampling of them and they compared it to the sampling of the same age category in the United States. And you know what they found? In the NFL, that same sampling of players, no matter what race, 25 to 30, has a crime rate... 13% of that of their counterparts in the general population. 13% of the general population in the NFL. And yet you've been led to believe that the NFL has a problem. When in actuality, the NFL has done more to curtail violence of all these groups than we have in the general population. So who do we come down on? You see, it's, it's all in how you present stuff. You all thought you knew something, didn't you? But what we knew was wrong. Just because you know something doesn't mean you know everything on the topic. If you don't know everything on the topic, be sure that you, you first off say, I don't know everything on this topic. But pride will keep you from doing it. And knowledge puffs up, gets us prideful. You get caught up in that pride and you start throwing things out there. You're ruining people's lives. I heard a, a quote from Ray Rice's wife. She was his fiance, I believe, when the incident occurred. I believe she's now his wife. Apparently, she was okay with marrying him. She said, if your goal was to, and she listed all the things, ruin our lives, take this away from us, take this away from us, take this away from us, you achieved your goal. That's the wife. Supposedly the victim by the husband. She'd been made a victim by the press because they knew something. That's why I despise these people. Every single one of them. I don't care if they're in sports media, regular media, 
I heard, I heard someone say that the folks in sports media are twice as liberal as those in their counterparts in the regular media. I don't doubt it. I've heard what some of them have said. So, three verses we got through so far. You ready to get through some more? <laughs> but I want you to see this. this. These first three verses, he's teaching the doctrine. He's teaching that this is the doctrine of, of this. And he's going to give you an example of putting this to practice. This is just the, the, the doctrine of it. People speak out of knowledge. We, we speak out of pride. And why, when I speak out of knowledge, well, I know that this worked for somebody, so I'm going to say I have a better job. I'm going to say my body is healed. I'm going to say I have the wisdom of God. I'm going to say these things, but we're saying it because knowledge has puffed us up. And what does God say he does with the proud? He resists them. So how can God work for power to achieve what it is that you are saying with your mouth when you are in pride to begin with? And this is why you see a whole lot of folks out there that are speaking but not seeing a change. Because they're speaking from knowledge. They're not speaking from understanding. And here's the kicker. And when we get to this, I hope we get to this one today. We're, we're, we're not doing well. <laughs> I'm not doing well. You're all doing fine. <laughs> it's my problem. When we get to that last one to hear, I, I saw some things on this thing I didn't see in it before. And really want to get to it for you. So if you think you know something, you probably don't. You just realize you don't. First off, I realize, should I have an opinion on this? I have no opinion on the Ray Rice matter. I have no opinion as to who was wrong. I have no opinion of whether she provoked him. I have no opinion about... Uh, I have no opinion. I, can't, I cannot give you an opinion on what I cannot see. And what I cannot hear. So I have no opinion. You can ask me. I'll tell you the same thing. I have no opinion. All we can do... And this is what they want you to do. They want you to make a judgment because you saw five seconds of a video. You don't know what happened in the minutes before or the minutes after. What happens if we took five seconds of video out of your life and didn't have it in context? Would anybody get a wrong idea? Sure. Certainly we could. It's not saying that I'm, I'm saying that, you know, anybody going out there and just punching their wife in the head so they knock her out. I do not think that's right. <laughs> I don't think that's right at all. I think there's something wrong here. But I don't know exactly what's wrong and I'm not going to try and correct it. I'll leave it in the hands of the authorities who can make the correction and they can, they can go on and do that. That whole, the media did that whole thing with, uh, over in St. Louis. And they, they fed on it. How often were we told this goes on all the time? Where the, the white police officer shot the, uh, the, the black youth. This goes on all the time. I got this one question for you. If it goes on all the time, how come we only heard this one? Why did we hear about this one incident for weeks and weeks and weeks? If it goes on all the time, why wasn't there ever a second? Why was there not a third? What, what problem comes in, folks, is that there is other news out there and there's other ways to get, get the news. Do you know that the police in that, that city, there's a story that went around on Facebook. I saw this one about the police in, the, in that, and it was a Ferguson in Missouri, in that, town, in that town. The police went out, they had a playground, and there were no uh, uh, nets or something for the basketball hoop. And so they went out, and they, with their own money, they got the hoops, they got basketballs, and they went out and they got the, the youth playing basketball on the courts that they weren't playing on. And then they, you don't hear about that story, though, do you? That won't sell anything. There was, I believe it was over in Utah, 
there was another situation, but it was quite the opposite of what happened in Ferguson. And all that was said about it in the local paper, no one else picked it up, was that a, a, uh, a white uh, person, a kid, was shot to death by an other-than-white police officer. That was the news article, other-than-white. Now, I'll tell you what, I have, a, I have an opinion on police. I believe if someone's not cooperating with them, they're in trouble. I, outside with the police officer. I believe, I believe police officers are doing their best. They go out every day into a situation to be shot at to keep us safe. Thank God for police officers. I don't think that most of them are, are messed up. I know that, you know, we watch the TV shows. We know that, you know, they got bad cops out there because we've, we've watched NCIS or... <laughs> and we know something. <laughs> we know something about that. <laughs> we don't... We don't necessarily know what's going on with, with those situations. You know, I, I always made sure. There was one time I was uh, taking somebody home from, uh, from hockey. And um, I, I, came, I thought I came to a complete stop at a stop sign. But the police officer didn't think I did. And so I kept on going. And, um, and he pulled up behind me and flashed his lights and stopped me nighttime. So I learned this from uh, Blue Bloods. Because I know something. I watch, I watch Blue Bloods. And I saw the, the main detective character, Danny, whatever his name is. He got pulled over. And uh, I, I, it took me a while to process it, what he was doing. But I, I saw he was in their place and he took his arms and he hung them over top of the, the uh, steering wheel as the police officer was coming up. I said, oh, that's so the police officer can see his hands. And he doesn't has to worry about him doing so. So I did the same thing. I took my hands and I put them over top of the steering wheel and I put them right there so he could see them. And he came on up and he, because I was watching Blue Buds, I know something. <laughs> so I put them on up there and so he could see them. And uh, I had my license and all that sort of stuff with me, but I was playing hockey. I didn't have it in my pocket. It was, it, it was in the door. And so I, I left them on up there because in order, the way this, 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 uh, in order to get to this truck, uh, this is a uh, different truck than I, than I had now, in order to get into that, that truck, I had to... Um, go into the side, the side pocket of it. And I can't do that when the door was closed. I had to open the door. So he came on up to the window and he says, license and registration, please. And I said, officer, I will be happy to get that for you, but I have to open my door because it's in the side here and I didn't want to open that door until you were here and you said it was okay. And he said, that's okay. Go ahead and open the door up. I said, thank you, sir. I opened the door up. I reached in. I got the stuff out. I closed the door back again. I handed it to him. And he went on back to his car and he did his stuff and he came on back up and he finally said, well, you didn't come to a complete stop at that stop sign over there. I said, I'm sorry, sir. I thought that I had, but I apologize if I had not. It's very respectful. And he said, all right, I'm just going to give you a warning now and you can go on your way. Thank you, sir. <laughs> didn't have to pay any money. That was good. <laughs> well, you know, that's how I was, I was taught to treat people in authority. I, it didn't matter whether I thought he was right in what he did. I, I need to treat him with respect. If you start saying stuff and challenging them and, and doing like they had done there, and, and because that particular police officer was beat up. You know one thing that they didn't cover in all the time they did Ferguson? How many police officers don't come home because they got shot by their own gun? Their own gun. 
There's actually a statistic out there. You can find it. How many per year happen? Police officers got shot, not by the assailant's gun, by their own. And this assailant had already taken this police officer's gun once. He got it back. See, we're, we know something. We get puffed up. We have a reaction. And, uh, and all that rioting was going on in Ferguson. Do you know that most of the people who did that did not live in Ferguson? A whole bunch of them were brought in from Oakland. Oakland, California. Not Ferguson, Missouri. What are they trying to do? They're trying to stir people up. Trying to get them caught up in pride. If you take a person who, who knows everything there is to know about Ferguson and you try and tell them, hold on a minute, you may not have all the facts, how do they respond to you? If you try and take somebody aside and say, wait a minute, you don't have all the facts about Andrea Prenison, how do they respond to you? If you try and pull somebody aside and say, you don't have all the facts about Ray Rice and his wife, how would they respond to you? The reason they respond to you so harshly is because they are filled with pride because they have a little knowledge. And they sh- that little bit of knowledge have shut down love, walking in love. You know the best thing to comment out of the Ray Rice thing? Is that somebody would help Ray with whatever he needs help with? Somebody would help his wife with whatever they need help with? And then they would go on. And then everybody else would just leave him alone. That would be the best thing to help him out with. But that's not what went on. Anyway, you got to get going. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the, in the world, and that there is no other God but one. But even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God and Father of whom all things, and we for him and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge for some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their consciousness being weak is defiled. But food does not command us, uh, command us to God. For neither if we eat are we better off, or are we better, nor if we do not eat are we worse. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you, you have knowledge eating in an idol's temple. Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? What he's saying is, if someone comes upon you and sees you doing something that you have the liberty, that you feel, because of your knowledge and understanding, that you have the liberty to do, if they see you do it, that they now have a little knowledge. What does that little knowledge do? It puffs up. And they go off and they do something based on that little knowledge, not understanding, and they get themselves in trouble. And Paul says, they're doing what they could do. It'd be fine. If you, it, it makes no difference if you eat meat offered idols or if you eat meat that's not offered idols. It makes no difference. But it does matter if the someone that sees you is weak. And that's a problem. And that's what he's talking about. You can't operate out of a little bit of knowledge. You've got to operate out of love. So he says, in certain situations, you may not eat that meat because of love for a brother sister. Even though you have the freedom to do it. Well, he goes on and he talks about those, those kind of things. Let's go on in, here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time in this second part right here. Just enough to get you to hear. Here, see this. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How did he get that? He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father he got that as a revelation he had the understanding who jesus was by revelation from god by the spirit of god giving that revelation so he had that was this understanding ever tested look at what he says you are the christ the son of the living god he calls him the messiah you are the messiah you are the christ the son of the living god do you think that during the episode that occurred from the Garden of Gethsemane on, that that thought, that understanding, that revelation was ever tested? Did he hold it? Let's think back about it. Remember when, uh, how depressed he was because his master had died? Remember when he comes to the, his buddies and he says, I don't know about you, but I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I did before. They thought he was dead. They thought he was gone. Do you think that revelation is being tested? Do you think the thought may have come to Peter? Peter, you spent three and a half years following this man, and now he's dead. What a waste of time. You think that ever came to him? He gave in to it, didn't he? But then, we see in the book of Acts, he stood up with it. So much so that he went and died himself because of that revelation. It's been documented that all, the, all 12 of the disciples uh, were uh, at least attempted to be killed. Eleven of them were martyred for the, uh, for the uh, things of God. The only one who was not was John, and that's because they tried and they failed. So they I put him on the island of Patmos and isolated him. But they all did. What's interesting is if Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead... Why did 12 people, why were 12 people who witnessed it willing to die for him? If they knew it was a lie, if they knew it was a fake, they saw him die. They saw him dead. If those guys did not think that the resurrection was true, why did they all die for it? it tells you right there, just the fact. And we know from history all, what happened with all those, how they died, not just in the Bible. Turn over, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to get there in just a minute. I want to read to you a few other areas of Scripture here first. In uh, John chapter 2, look at what the people heard. Remember Mary? She said to him first in this story, whatever he says to you, do it. So one of the things that he said in, in John chapter 2 and verse 7, fill the water pots with water. Fill the water pots with water. The goal of this was to bring more wine into the ceremony. And he says to them, fill the water pots with water. How many of you would be questioning whether we should do that? Do you think they had the understanding? Oh, if we fill them with water, he'll turn it into wine and then we'll just... No, they had no understanding. What they had to do was they had to hear and they had to do it. This is what we're going to focus on a whole lot here. Hearing what God says and doing it. We're going to look at the, some successful times first. 
fill the water pots with water. They did that. After he does that, he says, draw some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. <clears throat> and they did that. Do they have the understanding? Why do we want to take water out of the water pots and bring it to the master of ceremonies? They don't have the understanding of it, do they? But they did it. <clears throat> In John chapter 5, verse 8, he says to the man who was laying by the pool, who had just explained to Jesus, I have no man to put me in the pool because he can't move himself enough to even roll into the pool before somebody else gets in. So he says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. How many of you all know that would not make sense to a paralytic who has just explained to you, I can't walk and I can't get myself into the pool. Yet I'm here every day. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. How many of you know he has no understanding how this... I can't move. I can't, I can't walk. You're telling me to rise? Not only rise, take up my bed. And then not only that, walk. But what does the man do? He rises. He takes up his bed. And he walks. Success. Does he have the understanding of what he is doing? No, he heard and he did. This is the final stage. This is where you need to get to. You got to get to this stage as a believer. And we're going to show you why. There's a, there's a real good reason why you have, you have to get to this stage. And every single person can operate in this stage, at least some. But you got to have a, a, a grip on it. Luke chapter 17, verse 14. He says to the ten lepers, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Go show yourselves to the priest. When is a leper supposed to show themselves to the priest? By, according to the law, when there's a change, when their leprosy has disappeared, then they are to show themselves to a priest to be inspected. But until then, they're considered unclean and they're not supposed to be near the priest. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. They turned around and says, well, we can't until we're healed. Wouldn't that be a statement we would make? Had a knowledge or understanding? But they didn't. They turned and they went. Good for them. And they had success. All right. Let's go into some fails. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, he says to the rich young ruler who came to him and says, what, do I, what more do I do to be saved? And he says, well, you know the commandments. And he starts reading them off to him. All these I have kept since my youth. Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. So he says to him, if you want to be perfect, which he says is his desire, go sell what you have, give it to the poor, you have treasure in heaven, come follow me. Is it pretty easy to understand what is he saying to do? But it's hard to understand how that would have an effect. What do you mean? How does that change if I become poor, how does that change anything? And so he begins to think about this and he reasons out inside himself, ah, it just doesn't make sense to me. I can't get my understanding of this. And he walked away sad. Did his life change? No. In fact, Jesus had that teaching. It's, it's tough for a rich man there and enter into the kingdom of God. To which his disciples said, yeah, you know those rich people, they're nasty people. They are awful people. I understand they're never going to get to heaven. That's not what they said, is it? They said they were shocked. What do you, what do you mean? 
What do you mean rich people can't get into heaven? You don't say that unless you are rich. One of them was a tax collector. Three of them had their own business. Apparently, they had some money. So, uh, as a fail, right? What would have happened if he would have sold all he had, gave it to the poor, had treasure in heaven and followed him? Ooh, man. Who knows? He may have been the guy they picked to be number 12 when Judas uh, dropped out. Mark 14, verse uh, 33. I'm going to read a whole, whole bunch of it here for you. And he took Peter, James, and John with him and began to be in trouble and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it be possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And he came back and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Can you not watch one hour? Now, how many times have we read over this? How many of you thought that he said, watch and pray? He does not. He says simply, watch. The second time, he's going to say, watch and pray. The first time, all he said was, I just want you to be here with me and watch. I'm going to go over here and pray and just, just watch. Just keep an eye out. See anything. Let me know. He just said, watch. That's it. Isn't, it. Isn't that right? I've looked at two, two areas of Scripture where this is recorded and both of them said watch. The third one kind of summarized them a, a bit. But anyway, the, the, these two, he, he came down and he said watch. Watch. What would have happened if they would have stayed awake and watched? Well, better things than happened because they didn't. He goes on in verse 38. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Maybe he thought they would pick up on the praying part on their own. But now he says, all right, I want you to watch, but I want you to pray. Watch and pray. I want you to watch, but I want you to pray. Here's the reason for it. That you enter, lest you enter into temptation. I want you to watch and pray so that you guys don't enter into temptation. Before he just said watch. Watch with me. Now he says, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. So apparently the watching does not have any effect on them not entering into temptation. What does? The praying. He went and add some praying into it. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to answer him. Apparently he asked them. They didn't know what to answer him. What do we do? We fell asleep again. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. What if they said, Well, we're ready to pray now. We've had three hours of rest. I'm feeling better. Let's pray now. He says, No, the time is now. The time before, when he said, Watch and pray, that was the time for praying. They missed their opportunity. What was their purpose? Watch and pray lest you... Enter into temptation. It was to keep them out of temptation. They lost that opportunity. What happened to each one of them? They were tempted to forsake Jesus and they left Jesus. Peter was tempted to deny Jesus and he denied Jesus. 
They were tempted to doubt that he would be raised from the dead and they doubted that he would be raised from the dead. They were tempted to go back to their old lifestyle and some of them did. They were tempted, weren't they? They had to have an opportunity. They did. They failed. They missed it. They heard. All right. How are we doing? We probably have enough time to get this finished here. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. It's a little video we, we saw there. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. Now, if you remember the movie, how can you not get this right? I don't understand. It isn't hard. You just read it. It's, 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 here's the script. You don't got to write a script. It's right here. <laughs> you can just take it right out of the Bible and say, here's the script. Read this. That's all you got to do. We don't got to change it. We don't got to alter it. But instead, in the movie, what did they do? Jesus calls for Peter. Peter, come on, come out here with me. That didn't happen. So then Peter goes out there with them. And as he's drowning underneath the water, he has all these thoughts of the things that Jesus is saying to him. Except that's not how it happened. It's real clear how it happened. How do you get it wrong? I don't understand people with, with this. Now, in the beginning part of that, I love the things that they added to it. The struggle they may have had in going over to the other side and leaving Jesus behind. It's not talked about in Scripture. I think they probably would have had one. The struggle that they had, maybe of Jesus, who he was. I thought that was, that was pretty well done. The struggle they may have had about turning back when the storm came. I think that was probably very legit. And then maybe, maybe somebody did stand up and say, no, he said go over to the other side. Judging from history, I would say no. But it's nice to think that. So anyway. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said to him, Come on, Peter. Do not fear. Come on out in the water. Well, then where did they get that from? He, he doesn't try and coax them into coming, does he? He simply says, Come. That's all Peter needed. Peter heard. This is why we're focusing on this story. This is all I want you to see. Why does Peter decide he can walk on the water? Because first off, Jesus was. And secondly, because Jesus said, come. Has anyone in history in the Bible ever walked on water? No. The only thing we have that comes close to it is over at the Red Sea when they faced the water. But they didn't walk on the water there, did they? What happened? The water moved. They walked on dry land. Come up to the, to the next river going over to Jericho. 
and they step into the water, at which point when they stepped into the water, the water uh, separated and they walked across on dry dry ground. That's That's good. But there was no walking on the water. Every single time the water moved and allowed them to walk on the land. Here we got it that the Jesus is walking on the water. Peter has no word to base his faith on. None. There's nothing, there's nothing in the Bible that would base this. Spirit of God has not been dealing with Peter that we can tell. Peter, I want you to, I think you can walk on water. I want you to, I want you to confess, I can walk on water. We don't have any of that going on. In fact, they were all kind of surprised that anyone was walking on the water. They saw Jesus come and they said, oh, it's just like I saw it in my dream. No, they said, it's a ghost. That's a great conclusion. I wonder how many of them have ever seen a ghost. It's amazing how many, people, how many times we think we see a ghost when we never really have seen one in the first place. But There it is. All right, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Well, it makes sense because the boat's above the water. He's got to come down off the boat onto the water. And he went to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, see, one of the places, one of the ones who made a nice little depiction of this, and it was a little spookier. I didn't bring it in because it's kind of a little spookier. Um, he actually has Jesus calm the storm and then uh, talk to the disciples while everything's calm. And then Peter gets out while everything's calm. And then as he's walking, it starts getting a little, little dicey. Not real, real dicey, just a little dicey. Another fail. <laughs> Why can't we get it right? It's right here. I did not go see the movie Noah. If any of you did, I, I knew they got it wrong. I knew they terribly got it wrong, so I didn't go see it. I just can't. It's a great idea to put the Bible in the pictures. A phenomenal idea. I love the whole idea. Love going to see it. Why can't you get it right? I don't, I don't understand why you can't at least get the parts right that they talk about. You ever been down to the uh, the place out in Lancaster? What's it called? Um, Sight and Sound. Sight and Sound. They do a wonderful job. They get the details right, and if they said it in the Bible, it's in the in the play. It's good. It's 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 worth the trip to go on down there if you uh, ever want to do that. It's we've enjoyed it every time we've gone. So, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, "Lord, save me!" And immediately Jesus. See, he's not under the water. He's sinking. There is a difference between sinking and sunk. <laughs> sinking, I remember this from English class, which I did not like, but I still remember this. Sinking is an ongoing verb. It, it is, is present tense. It's going on now. I am sinking. After I have already been sinking for a while and I have submerged myself, I say, I'm sunk. I'm sunk. But I don't say I'm sunk if I am sinking. We all watched the Titanic movie. Any one you can pick out there. Th- that boat was sinking for a long time. But then all of a sudden it was sunk. It never became sinking again. Once it was sunk, it stayed sunk. That's where it was. So Peter, while he is sinking, not sunk. Sinking means he is going down. He didn't just 
He was sinking. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you walk on water. But generally, if the water, if you're on the water and you're not walking on the water, you go right straight through, right? There is no slowly going down into the water. If the water is not holding you up, then you are generally, that's what happens. But that's not what happened in the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that he was sink. He began to sink. He was sinking. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. You cannot say, Lord, save me if you are (laughs) under the water. It don't work. (laughs) You can't do it. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. If you catch something, then you get it before it goes where it's going. Isn't that right? If you caught your son or daughter before they ran out in the street, then you got them before they went out into the street. If you caught someone as they're falling off a ladder, then you caught them before they landed. You don't say, oh, you fell. Let me catch you. (laughs) Isn't that right? So if he is catching him, he is going down, and Jesus reaches out and catches him before he's all the way submerged. Which means he got over to Jesus pretty good, or Jesus got over to him really fast. Either way it was, they were close to each other at this point. Lord save me, and immediately, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, I was thinking about letting you just going down because you're little faith, but... No, he just, he just reached for him. How many times do we think that God has a poor opinion of us because we've sunk? Or we're sinking? But it says immediately. He didn't have to give any thought to it. Immediately reached out and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. It means the wind is still going on while they're still out there on the water, and Jesus is doing all this, talking to them, he brings them on into the boat. Well, look at it this way. Does he know what Jesus said? Does he know what Jesus said? Absolutely he does. He knows what Jesus said. Jesus said what? Come. Does he understand what Jesus said? Now, what I mean by this is, does he understand how it is that Peter is going to be able to walk on the water? Does not understand that, does he? So he, he is speaking because he, he heard what Jesus said. He has a knowledge of what Jesus said. But he doesn't have the understanding. So the place where he is speaking from is from the third area. He is speaking from the stage of hearing. I don't have the understanding of how this is working. But I know you said come. I heard you say come. Therefore, I will come. Even though I don't understand how this is going to work. That's the stage of hearing, when God said something. So, does he know what Jesus said? Yes. Does he understand what Jesus said? No. Does he do what Jesus said? Yes. He does it. This is important. You've got to understand this part of it. Why doing what you don't understand is an important stage to get to, and why you need to be there. He does what he heard, not what he understands. He does what he heard, not what he understands. What does Peter understand about standing on the water? 
He's been on the water. He's fished for a long time. He has been on the water. How many times has he gone out of a boat into the water to fix the net or to get something that fell in? How many times has that happened? How many times has Peter said, Oh, I didn't go down. Every single time that Peter got out of the boat and landed in the water, what happened? He went into the water every single time. But Jesus said, come. Can you imagine something that you make your living around and every single time you do this, which could be as much as daily, every single time you jump out of the boat into the water, he might even just do it just to pull the boat ashore. But you jump out of the boat into the water every single time he does it. He goes down. Every single time. Now, if he wants to change that, he has to first off change his expectation. He's got to change his thinking. And he's got to change his conversation. He changes his expectation. All right, I'm going to expect to stay up. And he comes down off the boat. In my mind, when I see this, and I know Peter. Peter is, you know, he just, he's full board in whatever it is he's going to do. If he's going to do it, he's going after it 100%. He did not stick that foot out of that boat trying to say, well, let me just see it. No, if, if this is Peter, the Peter I know, he probably put two hands on the side of the boat, leaped his feet over the edge, and jumped right on down. That's the Peter I know. Not this one that's, eh, let's just see what the... Nah. No, that's not the, that's not the Peter that we, we know. He does what he heard, not what he understands. His understanding would tell him, I'm going to sink in that water as soon as I hit it. But I heard Jesus say, Come. All right, this is the important part for us to get out of this. There are situations that will test our weaknesses. There are situations that will test our weaknesses. How many of you all know your body well enough to know there are certain parts of your body that are weaker than others? And some of those weaknesses have caused you issues. Maybe you have a weakness in your back. Maybe you have a weakness in your neck. Maybe a weakness in your arm. Whatever it might be, it has caused you, you know, I need to build that up. I need to get that stronger. Of course, knowing we should do it and actually getting out there and doing it is a little different, isn't it? But there are situations that will test our weaknesses. Those in the area of knowledge, these things that come in to test our weaknesses in the area of, of knowledge, they will test our love walk. They will get you puffed up in pride and they will test whether you will walk in love to other people. How many of those folks in the news media were walking in love towards Ray Rice or his wife? They were walking in love to themselves because they wanted to sell newspapers. They wanted to sell advertisements on their news shows. They wanted people to tune in. And they did not care about the two people who were involved or what it would do to them. You get into the area of knowledge, speaking out of knowledge, you get into an area of pride and you stop or have not even started caring for the people that are around you. I told you that situation that got me going on this when I first saw this person speaking to another believer on this matter. It, uh, it didn't come to me at first, but it came to me later. What you saw, and this is what the Lord spoke to me, not audible voice or anything like that, just you know, spoke to me. Uh, give me the revelation that says what you saw, what got your attention was you saw a person speaking from pride. They were proud of what they knew. 
but it had no bearing in where they were sharing it. Those who, those in the area of knowledge, those tests that come in the area of knowledge for us to try and get us to speak out of knowledge, they will test our love walk. Not just your love walk with other Christians. It will test your love walk with God because how many times does the enemy try and pull you into a place to get you to speak to a situation out of knowledge, not out of what you heard. And therefore, you're powerless, you're in pride, and you don't even realize it. How many times have you seen Christians who speak to situations because, well, it worked for so-and-so. I'm going to give it a shot and see if it works for me. And if it doesn't work for them, what do they do? Get mad at God. They get mad at that preacher. They get mad at that brother or sister who shared it with them. It will test your love walk. That's the first one. The other area, it will test, it will, it will test those in the, the area of understanding. These tests will come in our area. But when you're going to try and speak out of your area of understanding, if a test comes to test what you know, what you have a knowledge of, and what you understand, revelation has come to you, it will test your ability to receive. Did you really hear that from God? Did you really receive that from God, or did you receive that from someplace else? It's going to test my ability to receive. Do you really understand that? I don't think you really understand that. It's not working for you. It's not working right. I don't think you understand that right. And it will test your ability to see, I don't think I'm, ever, I don't think I'm hearing from God. I must not be hearing from God. It didn't work. It didn't come about for me. Test in this area, when it comes to those things that you have heard or that you, you know in the Word and you've meditated on it, you understand it, or revelation came to you, will test your ability to receive. Let's go back to one of the examples we had in the, in the Bible. When Peter says... You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that was tested. Did we ever hear from God? Was that even the Messiah? Were we duped? He died. Test your ability to receive from God. Now, this is the one we focused on most. most. When those tests come in the area of hearing, I heard God say this to me. And I did it. And is it going to work? Is it coming about? This is what it will test. It will test our faith. This is the area that will test your faith. When you hear from God and you do it, it will test your faith. Look at the examples. The wedding at Canaan. Fill these water pots with, with water. What... What will that test? Will it test their ability to receive? No, they heard from God. No doubt. He, he just said that to me. What it's going to test is my faith and belief that what he says will come about. We'll test that. In an area in our hearing, it tests our faith. Now, when we have tests... It either fails and weakens. We have a test. And that, that test comes up. It's either going to fail or weaken. Isn't that one, one area that can, can go? If you ever uh, had a chair and you looked at it and you said, I'm not sure that chair would hold me. It's not looking real good. So what do you do? You go up and you push on it. You test it for the purpose of seeing, is it going to hold me? 
And so you put some weight on it. You put some, you put some is it going to do anything with me? And when you do that, if it's a, if it's a weak chair, if it's going to fail, you, you find, oh, that, that leg almost snapped. Or that leg did snap. Or the whole covering just pushed its right, right way through. It failed. It failed. But if I come up to the, uh, up to the thing, I'm, I'm testing it, and, it, and it passes. It passes. It succeeds. It, it, can, be, it can be successful. When we get into the area of, of test, and God does not, is not the one testing our faith. Who, do we, who is the one testing our faith? Persecutions test our faith. Obstacles test our faith. The enemy tests our faith. He comes along to test it. I want to see what you got. And he comes along to test it. See what you got. And you can come up weak. If you come up weak, then what do you have to do? I got I got to build that area up. He came at me in the area of understanding. He came at me in the area of hearing, and I I didn't do what God said to do. I didn't accomplish it. I need to I need to strengthen that. How do I strengthen it? I got to get more convinced. I got to go over the Word of God and find out how many times did people in the Word of God hear what He said and did it immediately, and it worked and it helped them. If that man at the pool, if he would have not listened, he says, "Well, I would, but I just can't move." He wouldn't have gotten what he wanted, buddy. When what we have is tested, it either fails and weakens, or succeeds and strengthens. It's going to do one or the other. God wants us to succeed and to be strengthened. If your faith never comes under test, it will never succeed and never strengthen. But too often we're, we're convinced that if I never put my faith to the test, I also will never fail or be weakened. And that's not the case. If you don't use it, it will get weakened. If you do not use it, it will weaken. Peter jumped out of the boat. That's a faith statement, isn't it? But all these other things came in and they began to, to cloud him. He heard, he did, but then he fell. Folks, a lot of times we have been in the, in the boat with Peter. We heard, we did, and then we failed. And we think, I'm not jumping out of the boat again. I got weak. I almost died doing that. I'm going to stay in the boat. And if the boat goes down, so be it. I'm not going to stay in the boat. And the enemy has succeeded because we won't ever put our faith to the test. We won't ever put ourselves out there. I'm not praying over anyone else to be healed because I prayed over so-and-so and nothing happened. I'm not going to try and share my faith with so-and-so because I tried to share my faith with this one and they shut me down. I'm not going to invite this person out to church with me because I invited this person out to church with me and they shut me down. I'm not going to share what I know and understand of the Word of God with this one because I tried to share what I know and understand about the Word of God with this one and it didn't get anywhere. It didn't help. And we begin to, to shut ourselves down from doing these things because we've been like Peter. I heard, I know God said, come, I came, and I sank. And what were Jesus' words? Flash them back up there on the screen again if you would. I want you to see it. Jesus turns to Peter, who's sinking in the process of going down in the water. He's in that process 
O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Why did he doubt? Because he got his eyes off of Jesus and he got it onto the storms and he got it onto all the things that were going on around him in the natural, all this stuff that was happening around here and he got his eyes off of the goal and he sank. His eyes on the goal, he got out of the boat. His eyes off the goal, he sank. Folks, we have started out sometimes good. We had our eyes on the goal. We had our eyes fixed on Jesus. We were doing what Jesus said to do because we heard him say it. Now, if you're saying, well, I'm I'm not face-to-face with Jesus, I'm not going to have that opportunity to do what Jesus has said. He has not spoken audibly to me. He has not done any of that. I don't have that opportunity like Peter, like John, like James, like Paul, like all these others. I don't have that opportunity. Yes, you do. Because there are different degrees of how he speaks to you. He speaks to you in his word. He speaks to you in his spirit. He speaks to you through his servants. What have you done with what you have heard? The place where you build your faith is when you, when you do what you heard and lack understanding. Go through the Word of God. In your own mind, you can do this. This, this afternoon, this evening, sometime. Just go through the Word of God. And I want you to think of all the faith instances we have in the New Testament. You can go back to the Old Testament if you want, but just go to the new ones. Look at all the faith instances we have. We, the, lame, the lame people, the blind people, the deaf people, the, whatever sickness they had, whatever it was they were down with. Now, you look at every single one of them. Which one understood that what they were doing was curing them? Maybe the guy who had mud on his eyes and was told to go wash it off. Maybe he understood. Well, I just washed his mud off. And Maybe the guy who's told while he's laying there at Power Lake, lowering down from the ceiling, get up. Maybe the ones who are told, go show yourselves to the priest. Does that, do you have an understanding how that's going to affect you? How about the noblemen? Go home, your son lives. How about the woman with the issue of blood? Does she understand how touching the hem of his garment is going to have any effect upon her body? No, but I know it will. I know it because I heard about Jesus. Because I heard about Jesus. When we get to the place in our walk, and you can do it right now. You can do it today. You do not have to wait to a certain spot. When you get to that, that spot and you heard, I heard this. I know I heard this from God. I know I heard. His word told me to do this. His word told me to do this. And if I do it, things are going to happen. I'm going to give you a couple examples. We got, we got pissed. Give me a couple more minutes if you don't mind. I want you to give you an example that you can make this work now. How many of you know in the word of God that the word of God tells you to worship him? Yes, you do. Have you ever been in a church service and just felt depressed, felt down and said, I'm just not going to worship him today. And you just sat there. Have you ever been in a church service and we know from the word of God, does the word of, well, does the word of God say, lift up your hands? It does. Yeah, but it's just not me. Uh, I'm... I, I don't lift my hands up for anything. I had to lift my hand up to go to the bathroom in school and I wouldn't even do that. Right? No, we're not, we're not going to do that. Does the, does the Word of God teach us that we should read the Bible? 
Is that something that you heard? Do you have an understanding of how reading the Bible is going to affect your life? Not completely. I know that it does. I don't understand why. Do I understand how praying before a situation would keep me out of temptation? And yet I know that it does from the Word. You already know a whole host of things that the Word of God has told you to do, that the Spirit of God has encouraged you or told you to do, that servants of God have shown you from the Word of God, and you don't have the understanding of how it will do it. That's your faith opportunity. Doing what you heard without understanding. That's it. When you step out and do what you heard, even though you don't understand it, it is an opportunity to grow your faith. It's an opportunity to get stronger. Your faith will grow. And every single person here in this room, every single one of you, can do that today. You can do what you heard. Some of you are sitting on some things that you heard before. You haven't done them yet. Some of you are hearing some things from a wrong place. It doesn't line up with the Word of God. Don't do them. Hear from the Word. Hear what He tells you. That's where your miracle, that's where your faith is going to be built. Doing what He said to do, even though I don't understand it. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us that you speak to us. You give us opportunities to do what you say to do. Even though we have no understanding on it, to grow our faith. As soon as we hear that word, as soon as we hear that word, Jesus taught us that the enemy comes along to try and steal it, to try and take it away. As soon as the sower sows the word, the enemy comes because he knows what will happen if that word takes root. We've heard much of your word before. Some of it's just kind of sitting dormant. But as we go out here this week and put those things to work, you're going to speak to us on some other matters. You're going to say to us, go up and share the gospel with that person. Go up and help that person. Go up and do this to that person. And as we will listen to that voice on the inside who is leading us, we have an opportunity to grow our faith. If we ignore it, we not only fail, we weaken our faith. Father, you want us to grow. And all before us are countless opportunities for us to grow. We need to take them and do them. Thank you for the help, Father, that you give us on that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We have some praise reports today. Did you? Do we have any uh, turned in so far? Oh, we got one right on over here. Okay. <coughs> Let's go ahead and get that. Go, go green. Only one. <laughs> if you had a praise report, you can quickly write it on out. We'll get it up here.
but God allowed me to be a light to our situation in Trinidad with my mom so that I would gladly do it again. Praise mm. God. Glad you're back safe and sound. Amen. How many of you enjoyed this morning's worship time? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was awesome. And you know, God, that's my praise report this morning is because when, um, when I've been talking to a lot of people, they've been talking about the upcoming meetings again with Jay and Tammy. How many of you are, are you excited? Looking forward to that. But remember when they were here, one of the things the Holy Spirit prompted me to remind everybody is that we're not waiting for them to come for the Holy Spirit to minister. And he's been faithful because we've been fooling on him, right? We've been coming in expecting him to do things, expecting him to move, and he's been faithful to us. And so that's my praise report today. I'm just so thankful that everybody is expecting. They're coming in here with an expectation to meet God, that he's going to meet your need, he's going to speak to you directly where you're at. And also... Um, the message today confirms something that I was studying even again this morning about building up my faith. And I've been reading Brother Hagin's book again, I think it's called Mountain Moving Faith. But he gave an example of a man, Mr. Smith. Do you remember Mr. Smith in his book? Not necessarily. This is an incredible story. But it's about hearing something from the Word. And he, he read in the Word of God um, in Psalm 34 where it says, If you want to live long on the earth and enjoy your days, Keep your lips from speaking guile. Mm-hmm. You know, we know in James it says life and death in the power of the tongue. But this young man, when he was young, he heard that and he took it to himself. He says, you know, I'm not going to speak a negative thing about anybody. No matter what happened, no matter what came out in life, he wasn't going to speak anything bad. And um, as he got to be 90 years old, he had a, an opportunity to meet with Brother Hagen. And he says, you know what? Look at my hair. He says, the word of God says that every number, every one of my hairs is numbered, and God knows them all. So years ago, I took it to the Lord. I said, you know, you said your word according to your faith, be it done unto you. My faith is that you can keep my hair until I'm old and, and, and ready to come on home. And he says, you know, my hair's not even gray. He had a full, thick head of hair. He says, look at my teeth. He kept my teeth, too, because I committed that to him. And he said, all these things, my memory, 90 years old, but my memory is perfect. My skin, I don't have any wrinkles, nothing. He says, everything I committed unto God because he said, I won't speak anything bad about anybody. And look at what, just like what Pastor was talking about today, what the media tries to get you to do. What people try to get you to do. You know, and so I took that to heart this morning, and, and I just really thank the Lord, keep this. He says, the reason, Mr. Smith, at 90 years old, he says, the reason why I can trust God these things is because years ago I committed my son to him. I said, help me keep my tongue, and I won't speak evil about anybody. And he said, if he's been faithful to do that, and because he's been able to walk in love, his faith has grown. Isn't faith dependent upon love? So I'm thankful for the teaching that I'm getting on both aspects Mm -hmm. here, but praise God. Anything else? Any other praise reports? Prayer requests? Nope. We're good. All right, next week, we told you, we changed the schedule up a little bit. And uh, can you pull the website up on there? What I wanted to show you won't take, won't take long enough. might help you out, which is why I wanted to do this. We made a change on something this week. I could never figure out why something wasn't working the way it was supposed to. Found out what it was and changed it. So uh, we got that, that going on. But uh, next Sunday, we will have uh, Cover Dish Dinner. So that will be going on right after the service. And we're doing it one week early. So if you'll go over here to the Media Connect spot. And click on the full page sermon player in the middle. You do this on your, your computer at home. This is what you can do. 
it, this wasn't visible. And I was trying to get with him and said, why is it not visible? It's supposed to be here. Because we started doing something well over a year or two ago, and it ha- hasn't been showing up. And so um, it goes into the, uh, go into the other window because it, it's set to, it will actually go into a, open its own window. Go into the, uh, the other tab over here. Don't hit the X. <laughs> go into the middle part of it. Yeah, you got to go, click on the Zoe Christian Fellowship part. That's it, right there. All right. It's uh, small again, so what to be. Why is it not showing up? Uh, hit it big again. I don't know what it's doing. Go to media. Let's hit the full page. Is it not coming up? Is it going into a new uh, highlight over here? Works great on my computer. Huh. Hit the other one over there. That, not, no, nope, nope. That one. Okay. This is the IE. I don't use IE on, on my computer. Um, all right. Uh, for some reason, we are not showing it up there, so I guess we'll have to try and do this. We'll try and do this at the uh, SALT meeting then and show it to you. We have put all of the series in playlists for the last couple of years. So you don't have to go through the Sunday and Wednesdays. You can actually look up a series. Say that we did. Say you want to go back and you wanted to see the Jim and the, the uh, Jay and Tammy ones. They're in a playlist. If you want to go back and see uh, Joe, Joe McGee and the teachings he did, they're in their own playlist. So if you click that open, and we we pull in that full page sermon player, you'll see a spot that will say playlists. And if you click on the playlist tab, all those playlists show up for every series that we have saved that way and so instead of going through all of the Sundays and all of the Wednesdays you can just highlight Acts and just see all the ones that are on the series of Acts or see all the ones that were on uh, whatever other Jay and Tammy you can just just see those and not see all the others then when we get this up there on the screen I'll show you you can actually subscribe to a podcast of just that series and listen to it in podcast of just that series go one to the other right, right on back so all those things are available, but most people aren't taking advantage of it, and it's not wasn't being visible. So I was trying to figure out why can I see it this way, and I can't see it this way. So we finally uh, figured out what it was. I asked them about it. I said it should be visible. It should do this, 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 and this. And says yes, but it doesn't do it. So uh, I, I found out what the uh, the kicker was. Oh, we got it going. All right, you see this little spot right here? It says playlist. If you hit on that that tab. Galatians, Jay and Tammy, Learn and Discern, and you can keep on going down here and you'll see all these. Go ahead and open up the Jay and Tammy one. All right, here are all the... Can you slide the window over that way? We don't need the stuff that's over. Uh, Hit this part of the bar right here to move it over to that side and then make it big again. All right, they're all down on here. Uh, Subscribe. See that little button right there? These guys right here, if you, you can do this from your phone, you can do it from your computer. This is the, uh, if you just want the audio, you hit this. If you want the audio and the PDF of the files with all the notes, then you hit this, you'll get both. If you just want the audio, you hit this one. If you want, well, we don't have video, so don't worry about that. If you just want the PDF, you can do that. Audio and PDF is pretty much going to be all media, but um, anyway, if you do click on this, it will, if you have an iPhone, it will go right into iTunes and subscribe you automatically, all done. All you got to do is click on it. 
If you're on your computer and you have iTunes open, it will automatically subscribe. You just click on it. If you have an Android phone, how many of you have an Android phone? All right, if you have an Android phone, you're not out of luck. Even though it says, I believe this says iTunes over here, but uh, I've done it on my phone. I have an Android phone and it'll do it this way. I have a program on mine called Beyond Pod. Blows everything out of the water that I've tried as far as podcasting is concerned. I put that on mine. It costs about four or five bucks if you want to buy the paid version. If I do the same thing and click on any of these, it opens up Beyond Pod, puts the subscription in automatically, sets some defaults which you can change, and we'll go over that, how to do that. But anyway, if you want to subscribe to more than just a Sunday and Wednesday, you can subscribe to each series. And then as the series is updated, you can just uh, get those things. So we'll go over more of that when we have the SALT meeting next time. But uh, this will get you going on there just for a little bit for this week. Thanks for the effort getting that back up there. We'll have to get something else up beside IE to, to work with. It does have a little, a little uh, funny. Have a great rest of the, the day.